Well, what a variety this morning, and an eclectic mix of God's grace towards us in words that have been shared, encouragement that's been brought, songs that we've sung, prayers that we've prayed. Um, You know, God is so amazing at just uh, doing more than we ever ask or imagine, and doing things with variety. I love it, the fact that not every Sunday morning is the same. You can get a bit boring, can if you sing three songs, have the notices, do something else, and then preach. But God's not like that. He's a creative God. We've heard it already this morning. And to be honest, I've got a message here. I'm not sure I'm going to get through it. Um, but uh, I'm just so encouraged with what the Lord is doing among us and so excited for the future. Uh, Paul said to me a few weeks ago, he said, I've got two words. Uh, he said, I just feel en- encouraged And I've got expectation, I think, was the words you used. Encouraged at what God is doing and expectation for what he is going to be doing uh, in greater measure. And that sort of resonated with me when he shared that um, with me just a few weeks ago. Uh, If you've been with us the last couple of months or so, you'll know we've been doing a little bit of a series on names associated with Jesus. And that concluded last week. And next week, we're starting a new series the series is going to be all around uh, wealth, um, God's provision, how we handle that, our attitudes towards it. And uh, I think you're going to find it fascinating. Hugh was sharing some stuff with me the other day in the office as we were thinking about it and preparing. I think you were going to find it fascinating. And I think you're going to find it really helpful, but I think you're going to find it challenging. And uh, what I propose to do this morning, if I get the opportunity to do it, um, is just to build a bit of a bridge into it, uh, a bit of a precursor to this series. The reason I want to do that is uh, twofold, because, you know, we can come along and we can uh, hear stuff and we can say, that was a great message, and we can go home and by Tuesday, oh, has it really impacted my life? But I believe God wants to keep impacting our lives, not only by his presence as we come together in worship and we encounter him, but also in his word, because his word is powerful. And we want it to have power in our lives, and we want it to deposit things in our lives that are going to be transformational. Oh, that's a bit scary. Uh, But I want us to think about that in the context of, Liz just mentioned a moment ago, we've got an encounter evening this evening. This will be the fifth one we've done. And every one we've done has been slightly different, but there's something of this opportunity to, as I put it, linger longer in the presence of God. And to hear what God is saying, and to be refreshed, and to be encouraged, and to be built up and strengthened. So if you're around and available this evening, I really encourage you to think about coming along. Um, And the reason I mention that, because I think if we're going to get the most out of the series that we're going to step into, what the Word of God has to say on this particular subject... I really think we need to have an encounter with God. Otherwise, we'll get it totally out of balance and we'll get our lives mucked up. And so, if you've got your Bibles, I want to turn to Luke chapter 19, uh, verse, starting to read at verse 1. And if you're ever in Sunday school, you'll have heard this story before. Verse 1 of Luke 19, it says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. 
I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, look, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Now let's be honest, tax collectors have never been popular. How many of you have recently done a tax return? Um, Bless them, they have a job to do. But in Roman Palestine, they were particularly unpopular. In fact, probably hated If you can imagine, um, let's think about the Second World War for a moment. You think about France. France was occupied by a German army. But there were French collaborators who worked with and worked on behalf of that occupying army. Here, in this scenario, it's exactly the same. Um, The Roman tax system... uh, made tax collectors particularly unpopular. And what happened was the Romans wanted to get tax from the local people, but they didn't want to tie up all their men, all their Roman soldiers, dealing with that practical stuff. So they employed, they recruited locals to do it on their behalf. And the whole thing was totally open for corruption. Um, So every recruit was uh, able to keep a percentage of what they collected before they passed it on to the Romans. The more that they could wring out of the people, the more that they could keep for themselves. And in fact, verse 2 of that passage says, Zacchaeus was a chief collector and was wealthy. Now, a chief collector probably had a large area. He'd probably bid for it. He probably got the opportunity to have a large area. And then he would subdivide it to sub-collectors. And they would all be taking a bit off. The whole thing was open. It was, like, it was like some sort of pyramid marketing scheme for tax collectors. And they were all raking it in. And you can imagine the, the, the degree to which the system was open to corruption and cash bribes, etc. And you see in this story that something that we see in our world today... That, where wealth and greed particularly become the dominant factors. Paul, when he writes to Timothy, says the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Did anybody ever see the film Wall Street with Michael Douglas in it? And it was based on a true story. Michael Douglas played the character in a film called Gordon Gecko, but the actual real-life character he was portraying was a guy called Ivan Bosky. He was a trader in bonds and stocks and commodities, uh, commodities on the New York Stock Exchange in the 1980s. And in the 1980s, he made $200 million. In the 1980s, a lot of money now, but back 30-odd years ago. And so uh, what, um, Hollywood basically got hold of the story, scriptwriters... Uh, went to town on it, and Bosky had made this particular speech in 1986 in the University of California defending greed. 
where he's telling people greed's all right. And the scriptwriters went to town on this, and they turned it into a famous greed is good speech. And the speech comes, I'm going to show a clip in a moment, the speech comes in the scene where Gordon Gecko is addressing the shareholders of a company called Teldar Paper. Thanks, Sarah. I am not a destroyer of companies. I am a liberator of them. The point is, ladies and gentlemen, that greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Greed is right. Greed works. Greed clarifies, cuts through, and captures the essence of the evolutionary spirit. Greed in all of its forms. Greed for life, for money, for love, knowledge, has marked the upward surge of mankind. And greed, you mark my words, will not only save Teldar paper, but that other malfunctioning corporation called the USA. Thank you very much. I don't think it's too much of a leap to say that the tax collectors in Jesus' day were similar to that. Similar mindset, similar heart. Who were drawn to work in some of the more risky parts of the financial world, even that we have today. And uh, modern day equivalents would probably be the banking scandals of sort of 10 years ago. And, there was a BBC article in 2009 that was entitled, There is a wailing and a gnashing of teeth throughout the land. What to do, it was subtitled, with Sir Fred Goodwin's pension. The former chief executive of the nearly insolvent Royal Bank of Scotland appears to have got away with a very good deal. His pension, now that he has retired early, is said to be £693,000 a year. Anybody managed to live on that? For most of us, an unimaginable sum of money. Let's just say Sir Fred Goodwin, Gordon Gecko, and Zacchaeus were not the most people, popular people to be around. But then for Zacchaeus came an encounter with Jesus, and it changed everything. It changed everything. He was going through Jericho. Where was he going? He was going to Jerusalem. He was about to face his ultimate trial and execution. And Jesus knew what was in store. He knew what the next few days would hold. And he was on his way. And he's going through Jerusalem. And there's a crowd gathered. And this guy called Zacchaeus has heard that Jesus is coming. And he's probably heard about Jesus and the stories and maybe even the recent story of this blind guy at the gate being healed, a guy called Bartimaeus. Totally set free, totally able to see again where he'd been blind. And when Jesus came into Jericho, Zacchaeus just had to see him. And so he was a little guy and so he figured the only way he's going to get to see him is to get up a tree because the crowd is gathered. There's like a, it's like a celebrity culture around Jesus to some degree. And I believe that God was already at work on Zacchaeus' heart at this moment. He gets up this tree, more, more than a curiosity, I think was beginning to kick in with him. How many believe that God was already involved in your life before you invited him to be involved in your life? Jesus knows the end from the beginning. In fact, Scripture tells us, Jesus says these words, no one can come to me unless the Father draws him. 
See, it's not just Zacchaeus looking for Jesus. Jesus is looking for Zacchaeus. And he gets to the foot of a tree and he stops his walk through Jericho and he looks up and he points straight at him and he addresses him. Even in the destiny and the mission that Jesus was on, in some ways, to get to Jerusalem, he had time to stop for Zacchaeus. And I want to say to somebody here this morning that Jesus has put time aside for you. Somebody here, I believe, has almost said, Jesus is not interested in me. But I want to tell you that Jesus is. And you might think he's got so many other things and so many other people that he's interested in, but he's interested in you, right here, right now. The fact that you are here this morning is not coincidental. You see, and if we will draw near to him, he will respond back to us. What did Jesus say in Matthew 7? Everyone who asks receives to him who seeks finds and to the one who knocks the door will be open. There were loads of people in the crowd. So much so that Zacchaeus had to get up a tree. But Jesus zeroed right in on Zacchaeus himself. Looked him straight in the eye. And invites himself into Zacchaeus' world. Zacchaeus, quick, come down. I must be a guest at your house today. For many of us, we probably don't realize the implications of what Jesus is saying on that day. For the Jews around in that crowd, this was like, ah, what is this guy Jesus doing? This is crazy. Brilliant that he healed the blind man at the gate, but but what's he doing now with this tax collector, this sinner, a public sinner? You see, the Jews, their understanding of public sinners was that you do not like go near them because they would make you unclean. And Jesus is inviting himself to the guy's house where everybody else would have kept well away. But you see, Jesus is no ordinary Jew. He's the king of kings. He's the lord of lords. He's the transformer of lives. And he comes into Zacchaeus' world. And transformation begins to take place. People were stunned. They, they began to grumble. I said, what's he doing? Going to the house of a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood up and made this amazing statement. And it was as though he was determined that he was not going to lose out on the moment that he was in. And he says these words. Lord, look, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. How many think that's a bold, courageous statement to make? Zacchaeus makes this offer in the earshot of that crowd the ones that he'd been taxing, the ones that his sub-tax collectors had been taxing. Zacchaeus had been raking it off with all of these people. And he makes this statement, if I cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay them back four times the amount. That was what I call a life-changing and courageous statement. I think there are times in our lives where 
there's a call on us on our seriousness to follow Jesus. And the call comes, and, and if we're up for it, there'll come courageous statements. There'll come moments of decision where we have to say, yeah, I'm nailing my colors to the mast. I'm following this guy, Jesus. Whatever he asks me to do, I'll do it. And I have a feeling this series that we're about to go into over the next few weeks could be life-changing. But it could take some courageous, bold statements and actions on our behalf. But notice this. Zacchaeus, in making that statement, did not buy his forgiveness. I believe Jesus had already appointed it. Jesus had already determined and decided to stop at the foot of the tree. He knew that Zacchaeus was searching. He knew that God was already at work in this guy's life. He wasn't waiting for that statement that Zacchaeus made then. He's already looking. Paul said a few moments ago, where is he? There he is, over there. He said something like this. I tried to write it down as you were speaking, but you're speaking very fast. And then he started singing, and I thought, well, well, can't keep up. He said, it's the rock of God's love for you. It's not determined by your love for him. It's the rock of God's love for you. It's not determined by your love for him. How many of you are so pleased about that? Because if it's determined by my love for him, I'm going to muck that up quite a few times in my lifetime. But yet there comes with this love of God, this love of Jesus, where he stands at the foot of that tree and invites himself to Zacchaeus' house. Zacchaeus got a moment to make a decision. Whether he goes down that tree or he sticks up there and just says, oh, no, I'll just watch from afar. God is not about forced entry into our lives. Revelation tells us in chapter 3 that he stands at the door and knocks. And if anyone hears his voice, he'll open the door and he says, I'll come in and eat with him and he with me. The invitation is there. It's not forced entry. And that statement in Revelation 3 is written to people who were Christians. We often hear it spoken of to people who are yet to make that decision to follow Christ. But actually, it's written to Christians. And there comes a moment in our walk with Jesus where we have to make a decision to yield to his mercy and receive not only the gift of salvation, but to say, Lord, I'm putting my whole life in your hands. Radical life transformation will ensue if we're willing to do that. And that can be exciting and it can be scary and it can take a bold move. If we're going to put our hands in his hands, it means letting something go quite often. Andy, just pop up here a moment. Now let's just pretend you're going to have real imagination now that Andy is Jesus. <laughs> and Andy, and, sorry, Jesus, puts out his hands towards me and says, come on, both of them. Take my hands. We're going to go on this journey together. Now I've got a bit of a problem because I've got something in my hand. The only way this is going to work is if I put this down. 
there are times in the walk with Jesus that we will be challenged to lay some things down and to go and walk with him. Thanks, Andy. Zacchaeus gave up a whole amount. And then Jesus turns to the crowd and speaks to them and he says, I haven't got really time to unpack this, but he, he says, this is what it means to be a child of Abraham. It's not about being born a Jew. It's about salvation. If you go back to the beginning of Luke's gospel in chapter 3, before Jesus' public ministry started, you get this guy called John the Baptist, and he's baptizing people with a baptism of repentance. And he's a great preacher. He's got all the right words. He starts his preach with, you brood of vipers. I'm going to try that one week. Who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father, for I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children of Abraham. Then the crowds ask John, what should we do? And John says this, the man who has two tunics should share with him who has none, and the one who has food should do the same. He says, there's fruit of repentance. If we truly follow us, there will be fruit in our lives. It will be seen. And then the next verse is really interesting when you think about the Zacchaeus story. Because in verse 12 of chapter 3, it says, Tax collectors also came to be baptized. And they said, Teacher, what should we do? And he said, Don't collect any more than you are required to. Just do your job properly. Don't be deceiving. Don't be corrupt. We could unpack the whole Abraham thing. I haven't really got time to do that. But how many of you know... Faith proves itself through the things we do. And in Zacchaeus's case, it was manifest by that bold statement, if I owe anybody anything, I'm going to give you back four times the amount. I don't know where he's going to get all his money from. It doesn't make sense to me, but, but he, that was his heart. That was what he was going to do. In welcoming Christ, in having an encounter with him, we discover his power to transform our lives. And courage to put right the things that may be out of the line. But we need that encounter with Jesus. Perhaps some musicians would come back. You know, KJ said this morning, if there are things you are believing for, get in that right position in the sense of the righteousness of Christ. It's only through his righteousness and his love for us that we can be who he's called us to be. It's our response to him. And maybe this morning you find yourself in this service having maybe had something of an encounter with Jesus. Maybe even this morning as we've worshipped together, we've heard some of those words of encouragement, those prophetic things. Then maybe you sense, I've just had something of a, an encounter with Jesus. And it's been a bit like Jesus looking to the eyes of Zacchaeus when he was up that tree. It doesn't matter that there's anybody else sat either side of you. You know Jesus has been speaking to you this morning by his spirit. And the invitation is, are you going to let Jesus come into your house, into your life today, and let him fully in? Let him fully in. Or maybe you need an encounter with Jesus. You just recognize, actually, I, I need just to know him. I need to know that encounter with him.
whether you class yourself as a Christian or not, Jesus stands at the door and knocks. That invitation to a life-changing encounter is real for each one of us. As Alex said in that testimony that I read out right at the beginning, you see, just one touch from the king changes everything. Anybody want to take Jesus home with them today? Why don't we stand? I'm going to pray. Maybe, maybe for the very first time, you're saying, Lord, I want to put you into my life, center stage. And right here, right now, just begin to pray and ask him to come. To forgive of all that that is wrong and has been out of alignment in your life. To put you in right standing with the Father. That's what he's here to do today. If that's you right here, right now, just receive the gift of God. Salvation comes to you today. Or maybe you want to reiterate to Jesus, you're welcome in my life. And you're saying this morning that I'm going to make room for more encounter with you, Lord. Father, all across this room, whatever our position, whatever our state in in the sense of journey with you, I pray that you will reveal yourself more to us right in this moment. Your love for us, that rock foundational love that draws us to yourself will be revealed to every person in this room today. Maybe some for the very first time. And Lord, that you would draw by your spirit each one of us to that closer walk with you. And for those of us who want to, why don't we just lift up our hands and say, Lord, here we are. As for me, I will invite you into my life at a deeper level. I invite you to come into my home like Zacchaeus did. And where needed, Lord, I invite you to bring transformation in my life in new ways, in fresh ways, that the people we live among will see how awesome that the Lord our God is. Amen.